2: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar podcast. Today we have another Bike of the Year special and today we're going to talk about road and gravel. My name is Simon Von Bromley, I'll be your host today and I am joined by Ashley Quinlan, our Senior Technical Editor for road, Warren Roster, another of our Senior Technical Editors for road and Catherine Moore, a lovely freelancer who did our women's category. How is everyone today? How are you doing Catherine?
3: I'm very well, thank you.
2: Thanks for joining us. How have you been?
3: Yeah, good, good. Uh, I would say soaking up the rays in the southwest, but it has been rather wet. Yeah, <laughs> it has. So um So, yeah, just trying to t- stay afloat, really.
0: Ash, all good with you? Yeah, not too bad. I just got off, off the back of a week week holiday, so I've jumped straight back to the <laughs> pod studio, and now I'm trying to remember everything I wrote about Bike of the Year about three weeks ago, <laughs> as, yeah, as, you know, as the calendar goes. So, well, right.
2: no better time to remember it than now,
1: right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put me on the line. It's all good. <laughs> and was everything good? Yeah,
2: very
1: good, very good. Finally, uh seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for the
2: massiveness that is back in the year. And we'll get ready to start all again in a, in a week or so? Yeah, <laughs> we're already, already, already <laughs> starting to look in for 2024 bikes.
0: <laughs> that's, why, that's why it sounds so exasperated. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Never ending, a Sisyphean task this, isn't it? Right, uh, let's get straight into it. We'll start off with uh, gravel as it is one of the big and up-and-coming categories. Now, who tested this for us? Warren, Ah, that would be me that would be you Warren so any comments on the kind of general category to make what kind of bikes did you call in this year and uh, how did you test them what kind of things were you looking for
1: well I mean for gravel it's a it's a really hugely broad masses of variation you know I've got everything from kind of all road pure gravel road bike kind of hybrids, aero gravel racer is now a thing. Um, and then you've got the more kind of gravity-influenced, mountain bike-influenced side of things. So gravel has just become so expansive that, as much as it pains me to say, for 2024, I'm going to be arguing for more than one gravel category <laughs> <laughs> to give myself even more work. So for this uh, this year's test, I each bike has been ridden on some of my favourite um sort of plane loops. That takes in everything from kind of short, steep, rides um, with plenty of kind of technical trail right up to the longest one I took every bike on is a 75 mile gravel um, loop out over Salisbury Plain which is a big militarized area in the UK which has no tarmac roads and no houses it's uh, fabulous Um, and that goes out to the World Heritage Site of Stonehenge and back. so my kind of take on gravel is that the bikes have to be good at everything you know the big wide open um, graded road you know is one thing that's a that's a you know an element of gravel racing that we're seeing more and more of but i also think it needs to be good at byways bridleways, double track technical single track plenty of elevation and you know be able to cope with with what is the kind of british gravel experience i would say
2: so what kind of uh what kind of bikes did you have on test warren and uh which which uh, we'll, we'll talk about the winner in a bit but which two were the kind of third and second place bikes
1: this year i wanted to try and kind of represent a fairly broad spectrum of what's out there. So we had BMC's Chaos 01, um, which is effectively BMC's team machine
2: with big tyre clearances. Yeah, it's just a road bike with really big tyre clearances. And it? very mm-hmm. narrow bars. Yeah, which which is great for me, but obviously, yeah, not to everyone's taste, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you had an even,
1: you know, arguably even more extreme Factor Austro gravel, which is basically a Factor Austro with big tyre clearances. <laughs> so that I kind of got those just to represent that kind of high-end race orientated area and then the ridley Kanzo adventure which is like a big monster truck of a gravel bike um
0: it's a big bike that it really is i know you ride 58 centimeter frames but, but that's still as big for, as, is big for a 58 that's a chunky yeah. bike
1: but it's got all the fixings and fittings sure. you could ever want on it you know and it's it's very very off-road capable which is is kind of a lot of fun then i had the pivot vault which sort of coming a, a little bit left field i would say which had geometry somewhere between the ridley and the and the Factor, but it's got a sort of suedo suspension system on the back, very capable bike. Uh, and then finally, a variation on last year's gravel bike of the year, the Giant Revolt, and it's the new Giant Revolt X, which takes the Revolt frame, slightly relaxes the geometry, puts a suspension fork up front, puts a dropper post out back, and again, just a really good, capable bike. Um, from that five, and I have to say, actually, it wasn't, uh, I actually added like about a dozen gravel bikes in. I sh- shrunk it down to five um, for the constraints of the test. But And then out of that five, the top three, it was the Ridley, the Pivot and the Giant.
2: Why did the bikes that not make the cut? What you know, Is there anything particular about those? Or is it just not the kind of the right, just didn't quite hit the same heights? I think
1: they are kind of racing tools for a job mm. um, in that, if you're you know, doing a particular like a Midwest, you know, epic 200k gravel race on fairly well graded roads or kind of like princess gravel in the UK. Sort UCI of World yeah, Championship yeah, exactly. Gravel. Yeah, exactly. They would be mm. epically good. So fast, stiff, do everything for it. But the minute you're on less optimum surfaces where you're starting to get a bit of roots, you're getting that kind of tractor barring or, you know, um, when it runs into double track or anything like that, or you're getting any kind of sheep furrow kind of things. They're absolutely out of their depth. They're as out of their depth as there would be to take, you know, a Cervelo S five sure. down single track. They just felt that out of, yeah. out of, out of whack of what they did. So as pure tools for the job, if that's what your your gravel interests are, they're great examples. It's just for wide world or gravel, they were a bit limited.
2: Okay, so what is it about then the kind of top three that stood out?
1: Ridley Canzo, I think. Um, has this sort of monster truck like abilities just to roll over everything? It's not f- fast, but it's very forgiving. It's extremely stable, and when I was riding that, they, there was nothing. I would look ahead and go, "Oh, that could be a bit sketchy." On that, you just go, "No, let's just motor on and just plough through it." You know, it's just it it just rolls over everything. And for the bike packer who likes a little bit of way off piece riding, I, I you know I can't think of a better bike out there right now. For that sort of thing. Um, with the Pivot, you've got sporty, almost racy geometry like the BMC and like the Factor. But whereas the BMC and the Factor kind of get undone by their lightness and stiffness, the Pivot has a kind of double sleeve seat post arrangement, which effectively like a, a suspension at the back, which takes the edge off and it, it's a comfortable ride. And at the front end of that, they've balanced out really well. So you've kind of got this racy ride position with the comfort that's going to keep you fresher for longer, as it were. And then finally, the Revolt mashes everything together, adds in a layer of a suspension fork and a dropper post, and it just makes a ridiculously exciting and fun bike. I mean, on the same kind of, you know, the the seventy mile, um, 75 mile loop that I, I was doing, on the big flat straight out sections, the BMC and the Factor were well, easily the fastest bikes I rode you know like data but the fastest over the full loop was the Giant and that's because when you hit single track when you hit double track when you hit the descents when you hit the technical stuff you don't have to back down you can just keep on and it was ridiculous you know It's the, it, and it's a bike that when I was out riding if I'd ride like a particularly technical piece of trail um, or a descent or anything like i get to the bottom and i will go god that was so much fun I'm going back I'm doing it again you know so I don't think I'd win any events on it because I'd be more interested in having fun. And I think for me that's what gravel should always be about. It's the it's the fun of not having to deal with traffic and not have to deal with, you know, almost like enough to deal with all those kind of competitive elements. It's just getting out in the world and having a big fun time. Yeah.
2: Okay. And which was your winner?
1: Unsurprisingly it was the Revolt X. Yeah. I mean, it just hits the right marks on price, performance, and it, it's just got the, the biggest fun factor.
2: Wow. There you go. So we're going to quickly move on to the value category next, which was tested by uh, Robin Wilmot, who cannot be here with us today, but I believe was you have some of his notes for us.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, have, I've worked with Robin for for a couple of decades now. He's quite local to me. So whilst he was out testing his uh, his value road bikes, I quite often bumped into him. Well, sometimes on purpose, go for cookies, <laughs> <over> <laughs> just, just, you know, to have a chat and everything. And his top three, Marin Gestalt which is under a 1,000 pounds, the new Lapierre Crosshill um, 2.0 at 1,200, and then Cannondale's CAD Optimo 1 at 1,300. And Robin kind of set out to do this test as, as a kind of a value bike like that. You're gonna use it for you know your big rides, you're gonna use it for your sportives, et cetera, et cetera, but you're also more than likely gonna be using it as a commuter and a runaround and that sort of thing. So he was doing a lot of that stuff. Uh, he was putting a tag along on the back to ride one of his boys to school. Um, he was you know riding to and front work on it and also getting out on weekends on all these bikes. So they need to be like proper workhorses but that doesn't necessarily mean they need to be boring. Mm. You know? And I think you know the the Gestalt is sort of occupying that near gravel space, really good typical Marin, you know, great value, nicely put together sort of geometry. Um Lapierre Crosshill again, it's kind of approaching that kind of gravel space and uh, the Cannondale Optimo 1 um is really the pure road bike there and it had rim brakes um and robin just came back with that and he said it's exceptionally good at what it's done and the way it's been pitched and it's basically it's a cad 13 light and you know that's one hell of a bike to yeah, to be living up to
2: and do we still think kind of you know if we're talking about value road bikes are rim brakes still an appealing option that people should be looking at or, well, or we it... worry about being kind of locked into a you know an obsolete system
1: I mean, you know, rim
2: brake spares are going to be around for a long time. Yeah. They
1: absolutely are. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry too much about it unless you're looking to buy a bike that eventually, for some reason, you're going to want to upgrade and upgrade and upgrade. But as a good everyday workhorse bike, it's easy to live with, easy to maintain, then rim brakes should still be a factor. They should still be an option. And also it means that you get a higher grade of group set than you would if you went disc, which is certainly true of the, of the Optima.
2: And so which which of those three bikes came third and second? To be honest, it was very difficult to split the,
1: the Gestalt and the Crosshill, you know. The, the Gestalt because of the price point it's managed to get under, makes it very, very attractive. The Lapier probably does have a the bit of the edge, you know, but but you know, we couldn't split them, so we kind of you know it's a dead heat.
2: Fair enough. In and minor places. <laughs> and which bike won? The Optimo one. The Cad Optimo one. Okay. Well, I think that does look like a fantastic bike, and yeah, certainly if you're looking for a kind of value road bike, then then as you say, like it does appear to have that kind of you know classic Cannondale Cad magic behind it. And I know you know obviously the you know the Cad 13 still exists in kind of disc brake form,
0: but if you wanted the simplicity and the value
2: of rim brakes, then this looks like a great model.
0: It's worth saying when we went to shoot it as well for our cover shots for for the magazine. Uh, which will be which will be uh, you know available now in all good uh, in all good newsstands. Um, you know it didn't look out of place. You know there's no. there's the, there's the the performance bike I'm riding. There's the the Aero bike that you tested, Simon, and and it doesn't look out of place amongst those bikes. So so why not? Fantastic, right? So let's move on to the uh, to the women's category
2: now. Any kind of general comments to make on this category, Catherine? How did you decide, um, how did we decide what bikes to call in for it, for example? And uh, and what bikes did you end up testing?
3: So that's a really good question because I think we could have a whole podcast episode just about like what makes a women's bike. Yeah, is, there a, is there a case in these days for a women's bike? Like all of the bikes that I ride personally are unisex bikes with some adjustments, admittedly, but um, but I've also got on really well with some women-specific bikes, women-specific geometries, for example. So it's quite an interesting category. And I think over the last sort of four or five years, we've seen a huge decrease in the number of women's bikes that are available, especially at the sort of like mid to top end. So... There wasn't a huge number of different ones that we could consider calling in. But what we've also seen in the last few years, which I think is great, is more bike brands allowing you to customise your build, so like the Old Bears and the Ribbles, so you can actually get what you want from the get-go mm-hmm. and you don't have to pay for stuff that you're just going to switch out immediately. So um, for the first time this year, we included a bike which was unisex, so the Ribble CGR. Um, and that was specced um, to make it more um, suitable for the female rider. Um, we also included the Scott Contessa Addict 25. So that's um, one of Scott's uh, women's bikes that does, again, have a unisex frame, but it's built up with contact points to suit female riders. And the Lividvale Advanced One. So that's... Um, right, you know, from the get-go in terms of geometry based on body dimension data f- that Liv collected, women-specific geometry. So that's like really at the sort of dedicated end of that spectrum. So three quite different bikes. Also, for the first time this year, we had a titanium bike, which we haven't had in women's category before with the, um, the CGR. And again, that's a slight sort of wild card for this category in that it's not a pure road bike, um, CGR standing for cross gravel road. Um, but it was set up in sort of road specification. Um, So yeah, slightly different for this year. We were, I think, quite lucky in terms of getting hold of bikes to test was a bit easier this year compared to last, whereas last year we had like a real range from like a real sort of budget to really something quite fancy. Um, It was much more achievable to get them within a better price bracket. So we had um, the Scott Contessa Addict 25 at two and a half grand, Um, the Ribble CGR TI enthusiast with a few modifications coming in at four and a half grand and then the Livervale advanced one in between that just over three and a half Um, so they were all either Shimano 105 or Shimano 105 Di2 so kind of within the same sort of bracket
2: and how did you test and what kind of things were you looking for
3: so the testing, um, I'm very lucky to live on the edge of Dartmoor National Park now. So that provides, you know, some really good testing grounds. We've got, you know, a half hour climb going up Haytor, which is pretty close to, you know, you get a bit of a warm up first, thankfully, <laughs> before you get to Bubby Tracy and head up. But, you know, really long climb. Um, we've got lots of really steep climbs, um, back breakers almost. Um, it's a fabulous descent, lots and lots and lots of...
0: This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar.
2: This is Automatic of Auto's used cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids.
0: See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this.
2: When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch.
3: Um, Gritty, try not to swear Gritty little back lanes Mm, Um, I'm familiar
0: with those (laughs) I live live, live on the Somerset-Devon border And yeah, I'm familiar with those Yeah, Yeah. lots
3: of those Very high hedges Which come in quite handy when it's very windy And then also this like beautiful Sublime moorland tarmac (laughs) Right across the open Oh, fabulous
0: Not biased at all
3: Not at all biased (laughs) Don't come to Dartmoor, it's terrible So a real mixed bag And all three of these are sort of endurance focused so that was really suited the fact, you know, they've got this, you know, it's not all just like premium race circuit kind of stuff. The only thing that we don't really have in on Dartmoor is flat. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah, you're either going up or down. Yeah, yeah.
3: So that was a really good test bed. And, and, you know, just with any category, really... Testing these bikes in terms of their climbing, their descending, their handling, even a little bit of off-road because you know it's good to just dabble, yeah, um, sure, absolutely, <laughs> just in case for the the classics lovers out there. Yeah, so that was that was the testing process really.
2: And which of those two finished uh, third and second, and why?
3: So in second and third place, it was it was I think the third place was a bit more obvious. I had really, really high hopes for the Louisville Advanced One. I thought that I was going to take all my boxes, you know, really beautiful wide gear range, which I really need around here. In fact, they all had really wide gear range, which is great. The fit didn't quite gel at first, but I had a good chat um, with the splier, And actually you can, and this is really fascinating, I haven't come across it before. You can rotate the saddle clamp Mm. 180 degrees. Yeah. And it changes the saddle offset by 20 mil. It and does. yes. Yeah, like, the same on Warren and I have TCRs
2: and It's exactly the same. Yeah. It's really good because, as you say, like it, it basically switching from a setback to an inline seat yeah. post without having to pay for anything. It's, it's Which, a great for somebody feature.
3: who often struggles with reach, I think I must have quite short arms. <laughs> um, yeah, that was amazing. So that, that did certainly help. But um, I think, and we spoke about this a little bit, it just lacked the like, Pizzazz mm. that the other bikes had, and I think that's mainly down to the tyre choice. So, um, they were fairly wide rims. All three bikes, interestingly, were spec'd with 32 mil tyres, but because they were on quite wide rims, they actually measured up at 34. And it was, um, the giant Gavia Fondo one tyres, I think they were just not the same level of performance tyres as the others had, so it just didn't quite have that,
2: yeah. And it can make go. such a big difference, can't it?
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was in third. Of course, you know, if it's a bike that you're interested in, you know, it's quite an easy swap to switch out tires, yes. which is, you know, saving grace. Um, and then in second, so I really struggled to choose actually between the Scott and the Ribble. Very different bikes. The Scott was very much at the sort of racier end of the, in terms of like geometry and the ride feel of the endurance category. The Ribble, I just loved I just really loved it and I think I'm biased because I mostly, well, maybe, you know, just a bit over a third, ride gravel bikes um, and it's leaning towards the gravel sort of geometry more than the racier side. So I felt very comfortable in that. I had a 40 um, centimetre wide handlebar and just... Quite a long wheelbase and just felt really planted and stable, and I could Mm. corner really well. And I think the first day I went out on it, I had a stonking tailwind going up Haytor. Well,
2: I was (laughs) was gonna gonna say
3: didn't it? (laughs) Well, I read and I got a massive PR, and I was was like, I
2: read your review, and obviously, you know, despite that thing, you didn't, it, it didn't, you you commented it wasn't slowing you down right so it was kind of like easy to ride it could go off road but it was also fast on the road and it just had that that good mix of all of those characteristics
3: yeah and like just little things like if you want to take it bike packing because it's titanium you don't really have to worry about you know heli tape and then ripping your paint off when you take that off afterwards I don't know maybe I'm just very vain but um (laughs) I really really loved that bike but then I just thought what is the essence of this test it's about, you know, women's road bikes. And and while that's really versatile, I couldn't get over the fact that the Scott is such a tidy, well-together put... Well, I couldn't get over well the fact together. Yeah, that the mean? Scott yeah. is a, such a tidy, well-put-together bike at two and a half grand. Like, it's gorgeous. And, mm. you know, it's really easy to turn your nose up at 105, but I would 100% own that bike.
1: Mm.
3: like. And it it's was just great. so sleek, it's really, like, really
1: good-looking bike. It's really. just
3: such a tidy package, and yeah, I know two and a half grand is still a lot of money, but compared to some of the bikes on the market these days, it's an absolute steal. It really is. I yeah. took it out at the weekend. I mean, I think testing I finished think, ages ago, but
1: yeah. <laughs> I think Scott needs a bit of um, a bit of love for that actually, because for yeah. years and years, Scott, you always looked and went, "Oh, really nice bike, a bit on the premium side," yeah, mm. at every single level. But you know that that Contessa just looked remarkable value for money, and the bike I did recently. Which are the Addict Gravel 20, I think. Again, fabulous value for money, stunning package. And you just thought, wow, Scott have really, you know, really up their game when it comes to good value bikes now.
0: Yeah. And you're you're absolutely right about, you know, 105 still being every inch like a performance group set.
2: Well, thanks very much, Catherine. I would very much like to do that podcast on, uh, you know, women's road bikes and kind of where they're going in the future. I think that's Mm. a really interesting point. And, um, yeah, it's it's something that we should discuss further in a a future podcast and maybe even a feature. You've been booked. (laughs) There we go. I'll be back. (laughs) Right. So let's move on to the, the aero category. Now, um, I, I had the pleasure of, of, of doing this one. Now, how'd it go? It went really well. Thank you. And I think, you know, just in, just in general, obviously aero road bikes are kind of increasingly designed to be, to be, to be race bikes. And so all of the bikes that I tested were pretty much, you know, well, they were all carbon fiber frames and forks, you know, obviously, uh, but yeah, you know, most of them had carbon wheels, mm. uh, electronic group sets as well on every single one. Obviously, you know, the kind of as as the kind of category name suggests, they were all focused on on being fast. Sure. In terms of bikes on test, I had a Giant Propel, uh, I had a Ribble Ultra SLR, which. Some of you may recognise as the kind of you know the really wild aero bike with the kind of funky bulbous handlebar. So that was an exciting one to finally test. We had the the Trek Madone SLR, the latest one with the hole in its seat tube. So again, more kind of funky aero features. I also had the free the latest Free T Strada ICR. I also had the latest Cervelo Soloist as well. Now, you know, all of these were very very good bikes, and you know it's hard to kind of separate them. My top three were the the Trek Madone, the Ribble, and the Giant. Now, in terms of testing, you know, as as kind of everyone else has said, I I live in South Bristol and I basically ride on the same roads all the time, and I just take them out on my kind of favourite loops, climbs, descents, flats, false flats, all of these sorts of things. And you and you know, when you, when you're riding these roads back to back to back to back to back, you get that real impression for how each compares. And I think the the top three, you know, stood out. The Ribble, especially the Ribble, especially stood out for just how incredibly fast it was. Mm. It, you know, uh, Catherine touched on it earlier about the kind of customization options that Ribble offers. And one of the things that uh, you can get with the Ribble Ultra SLR is a very kind of pro spec handlebar, which has uh, basically a, it's a kind of integrated handlebar stem. And it features a 140 mil equivalent stem length and a 33 centimeter wide bar at the hoods with a with a 37 on the drops. Now you know, if, for someone like me who's who's very narrow shouldered, this was just perfect. It, and and I just couldn't believe how how fast how fast this bike was. It was set up with uh, Zip 404 Firecrest wheels, Conti GP 5000 tires you know, I mean, it was a pretty hefty bike, like, you know, well over eight kilos with a, with Altegra Di2, but I just, like, I don't, I don't think I've ridden a faster, a faster road bike.
0: Which is high praise considering you've, you've tested the S5, you've tested, you've I've tested a, Syst- it's
2: Cannondale System 6, Cervelo yeah, S5, yeah, Trek, you know, obviously a Trek Madone SLR 7 in this test as well and, you know, I just couldn't believe how fast it was. Now it it wasn't my category winner, basically because it is just
0: so specialized. I found something similar with the <laughs> with the Ultra Air yeah. ha- which has which has is it's essentially the same frame set. It comes all comes out the same molds, it's just slightly different carbon layups, as you might expect, a little bit heavier, um, although they say it's it's equally as stiff. Um, but obviously you get a standard uh, level handlebar. I would say level, not like E- e- that's that Horizontal is the brand is like yeah. the, the internal brand name of um of uh, of Ribble, and I found the same. It's although that one's that bar is slightly more e- easy to live with, and that was actually forty two centimeters wide. I but think. you it's could yeah, wide. and you could change it, and you could change builder. it. Of yeah. course, you could. It It's but you know that that's it's less extreme. It's less extreme, but but the whole bike that bike as a whole is it's just it's so rigid and so uncompromising in almost every situation other than perfect tarmac. That you feel that, you know, you it, it becomes a punishment at times. I, at, at worst, it becomes a punishment. And and you know, if if you're light enough and fit enough and strong enough to be able to handle it, you're going to love it, right? Um, and I think it's probably the same for you when you had the SR. Yeah. Right? So
2: I think for me, obviously, because you know, you know, I think you know, Warren's tested does it for four, four wheels, and and like you kind of said in your review, because they've got that super wide internal width and then compared with the 28C GP5000, so, you know, plump up to kind of 30 mils wide. Yeah. So for someone like me, who only weighs, you know, 64, 65 kilos. Oh, go on. I can, well, I, but all, all <laughs> I mean is that I can very easily run, you know, low tyre pressures without any risk of ever hitting sure. a rim. Yeah, yeah. And and so that, that can kind of account for a lot of, that, you know, frame stiffness and, and you know, and obviously you know, if you, if you go off onto a broken farm track, then yeah, you're, you know, the bike is rigid, you are go, but it's just not designed for that sort of thing. But it was the type of bike that made me think like, you know, with you know, cycling time trials, for example, having now having a road bike category in every time trial race in the UK, mm. I could get rid of, maybe I should get rid of my time trial bike and just have a, have this road bike and do that. But then, obviously, you know that's just <laughs> quite that's quite a, an abstract way of forcing a bike into my house, right? So the flip side is that it isn't the type of bike I'd want to take on a kind of holiday to the Alps or okay. to visit my parents. Now, I had talked a little bit a little bit about the trek. You know, as you'd expect, the, the, the trek was fantastic. It it handled accident excellent, excellently. You know, it's got that really interesting innovative uh, hole in the seat in the seat post, you know, or the seat tube, sorry.
0: And we, we use the word innovative um, yeah, not Not lightly, do we? it's usually no. a banned word in <laughs> radar towers, but um no, yeah, but like, it, you it know, is it's different. It's it's, yeah.
2: it's very different and it and it you know it catches a lot of attention. You know, I like the kind of uh the front end and the way they've kind of made it slightly narrower without going kind of, you know, too off-piste. You know, it's kind of more usable for kind of every single person. There's also the option to swap in a non-integrated front end if you wanted. You know, my only problem with it is it just, it's just over £10,000 yeah. for an Ortega. I mean, that name
1: of what I'm really intrigued by. Yeah. You know, we haven't had one in the office that we're fitting yet, which is annoying because the previous gen, the double ISO speed-equipped Madone, was. I've Talked about you know not having you know not ever wanting to own an aero road bike, that's the exception that proves the rule mm. because that was an aero road bike that was weirdly comfortable, yeah. Mm. And I you know I thought it was fantastic, it carried a little bit more weight, but it's an aero bike, it does, you know, yeah.
2: And I don't think it slows it down at all. So the Trek Madone is you know it's a, it is it is undoubtedly a, fa- a fantastic bike, it's just that yeah, it's a bit you know, and Trek aren't the only brand. That that has this you know problem in inverted commerce, you know, specialized the same, Pinarello is the same. So you just have to pay a lot of money to get a bike that says Trek on the down tube because it had a, you know, a slightly similar but slightly worse build than the Ribble, for example. The Ribble cost six and a half thousand pounds and the Trek cost ten, you know. And I thought the Ribble was, you know, obviously I can't I can't actually quantify it. Haven't been to the wind tunnel, but I felt like the Ribble was a slightly faster bike, probably because of that, you know, extremely narrow, yeah, extreme yeah, handlebar yeah. setup and the slightly better tires that it has. So it's difficult then to justify saying, "Well, you should spend four thousand pounds more on the trek when you know that's a <laughs> a car <laughs> to take you know to drive exactly, you to yeah. the race or whatever." So my category winner was the the Giant Propeller Advance Pro. It has that excellent balance of you know it feels like an aero road bike in terms of how fast it is, but it's also not super heavy. It's very comfortable. It's got plenty of tire clearance. It doesn't have a handlebar that is you know, wildly extreme or you won't be able to customise it. You know, you can you can change the stem length, you can change the handlebar width. It's, you know, it kind of looks like a relatively normal bike as well, which I think is important for a lot of people. It, it doesn't have that problem that, you know, I talked about with the Ribble descending Cheddar, like it doesn't feel like a hard working bike to ride. And it's just, you know, in a typical Giant fashion. I mean, obviously you, you've talked a little bit about um Giant already in this podcast. It's just, fantastic value you know the kit is nearly flawless you get a power meter with it which you don't on which you don't on the other two and yeah it's just very very hard to criticize
3: funny you say that actually because i fairly recently tried Indeed. the new envy live yeah. um which is the live the women's specific sort of equivalent of that bike and as someone who doesn't routinely ride aero bikes um i really got on with it mm. and i thought it was actually mm. remarkably comfortable and yeah i went up for a group ride um with a club in exeter that i'd never ridden with before and it was pacey <laughs> and i was very glad i was on that bike <laughs> but yeah i was i was kind of blown away because yeah. i thought that riding an aerobike would be like quite you know like you said unforgiving mm. sort of very yeah. very overly stiff and actually i could see myself riding you know i don't need to own one but really enjoy that experience so interesting to hear that came out on top
2: so Let's move on. Now we're going to come to you, Ash, next, and we're yeah. going to talk about performance road bikes. And so, as but as before, any kind of general comments on the category to make, and what bikes did you test?
0: Well, the the, the comment I'd make about about the category as a whole is up until about the eleventh hour. We were calling it the race category and the race all rounder category, and then we switched it to performance to sort of in- encompass kind of a broader spectrum of bike, even though they're all very, very similar, to be honest. And it's, it's interesting, as we just mentioned as well, with with aero bikes. You know, you're getting like, like, like light, traditionally lightweight bikes have moved become more aero, and and everything's kind of you have got that Venn diagram where everyone sort of wants to sit in the middle for most of their bikes and race bikes, and you see a lot of them on the on the world tour scene. Um, so. I was, when I was looking for the bikes we wanted to test here, you know, I was I actually had an embarrassment of riches to kind of choose from on the market. Not all bikes were available. Um, I couldn't get, for example, a, a Canyon Ultimate, which I felt would have been a good fit for this category. And I'm sure, you know, many listeners might agree with that. But, you know, we had five bikes that came in that, you know, kind of var- slightly varied in in their approach, but but we had we had a, a Cannondale Super Six Evo, the latest one that uh, that Warren uh, Warren first rode for us out in in Spain, was it Warren? You got to Spain for that one, uh, the Villia SL. It's been around for a little while now, but um, it was a bike we hadn't seen before, and it's actually quite interesting in terms of. Uh, the way Villa does, you know, has a kind of Italian approach to to race bike design. Another Italian brand, we had the Colnago V4 RS. How could we not have Tade Pogacar's bike? The, the bike that's almost been designed for him, I suppose, in the sort of race or rounder slash performance category. Uh, Basso Diamante, which we first saw at uh, Eurobike last year. Um, and that had seen a few updates, but what was really nice about that bike and intriguing is that it doesn't really have any aero nods on it. So it's really a kind of, slim tubed climbing race oriented bike and we also had um, an Envy Melee as well which is actually not a complete bike you can have it as a frame set and then you build up your bike around that Uh, we had our local uh, distributor here Envy distributor build up the bike for us with uh, Envy compatible parts we didn't go overboard so it's in line with the kind of prices that we saw Um, so Envy Foundation 45 wheels on which are kind of in terms of design around about you know your sta- your standard sort of go- road uh, wheel set design um and yeah we just built it up from there really uh and and Warren and I kind of we can both ride it so I know Warren's looking forward to taking that one out for a spin soon as well um when, when it comes back to me after filming so yeah it's um we had a we had a good mix how do you like to test your bikes ash? I like to ride them the way I just like to ride bikes. <laughs> to be honest, I, I get most out of it doing that. If I'm trying, it, it, it's it's what I've I've come to call. I'm sure I'm not the only one to have thought this, but I've come to call it tester's bias. If I'm testing it in a very specific way and it doesn't align with the way I ride a bike, now I tend to ride racy type bikes anyway. I've always owned racy type bikes, so uh, you know, for for the length and the speed and 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 the efficiency and so on. So I just. I tend to take them out on certain loops. I do sort of what I'd call speed runs. I'll also do uh, rides where I'm not actually thinking about riding fast at all, and I'm just going out to ride them.
2: So, um, what bikes made your top three, Ash?
0: Number three came the Colnago V4 RS. That may surprise some people. It's probably one of the most headline-making bikes with one of the most headline-making riders on it at the moment. Um, And when we were filming, actually. uh, uh, one of our colleagues, Jack Evans, um, helped us out to some of the uh, YouTube filming. You head over there and, and watch us riding the bikes and covering it there. He um, He was able to ride a few of the different bikes that I tested here and he, say, and he said, I think this is the one I'd have, well, of the short time that he had with it. And I think, I, he, because he's slightly taller than I am. You more... Jack get paid that well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, if you want to know how much that bike costs, it's 12,630 euros. <laughs> um, See, that's my only issue with it. It's like, mm. it's a great
1: looking bike, really nice bike. It's obviously got the pedigree of lots and lots of victories. Sure. yeah.
0: But I think
1: I'd go for a C68. I, I know what you mean. Because it's... If you're spending twelve, you might as well spend fourteen, and there's, with the C sixty eight, you're, getting, to what you're, you're getting that more exclusivity, aren't you?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's um, you are, you are. You, with, I can't, I can't stress enough. The V four RS is a devilishly quick bike, um, and it does a great impression of an aero bike. Yet it, 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 it's really strange how they've. I, I, I can't quite work out how they've managed to do it. And Carnago, when they sent us. They press details about the bike and me some more details about it as well, couldn't quite tell us exactly where it was fast against who and why and, mm. and so on. They they were slightly woolly around that subject, but I can tell you when I've been riding it on, you know, very high quality jure C50 wheels, so not the NVs that is riding around on. It it it's it, it's intoxicatingly quick. Um and it's a really easy bike to handle, easy really bike to descend on. You know, yeah. it's one of the best race slash performance bikes you can get out there today. There's no question about that. But it is incredibly expensive, and you there, you are certainly paying the Colnago tax, if if we want to call it that. It's yeah. so my final two that it was incredibly close to call my final two, and it comes down to the Americans um, that I had in the stable. I had a, obviously a Cannondale Super Six Evo, and had an MV Melee, and. I, I engaged Warren in a bit of a conversation about this. I was, I was, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure which one it, it should go to. And I suppose if I were buying a bike and many, you know, we're just buying a bike with my head, I might be 51.49 in favor of the Cannondale Super 6. However, we don't always do that. <laughs> and the Envy Melee offered just something a little bit more. Just in a tight, what feels like a slightly tidier design, somehow, in in terms of its proportions, just visually. Um, and the way it rides is just a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more docile, which you might think is a bad thing, but actually, it just gives you confidence, um, compared to the Super Six. But if you love a razor sharp bike and you and but that, yeah, it's still predictable, but you love that razor sharp handling, Mm -hmm. then the Super Six is still. It's every inch of the bike that it always has been for the last few generations. And I've loved previous generations of the Super Six. I know, Warren, you have as well. And it's, you know, it's right up there for you. And yeah, it still should be. It still should be. And it, it was a real tough thing to split them. The Super Six is a little bit better value. You're talking Altegra Di2 with, I'm, um, you know, hologram, uh, I think they're SL45 wheels on there, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly now. And they, I, I mean you'd never need to upgrade them. Um and it, and you know the, the bike comes fitted with um clincher GP Continental GP 5000 tires. Um I think of the, as excellent as those tires are, I think it's a real shame that they don't come with tubeless tires as standard. If there's one the, objective yeah. thing that I could put I could poke at it, I'd be going to a Cannondale dealer or a shop and saying, "Would you mind swapping those out for me for yeah. STRs?" And if they do it for you, then you have you've got the all the bike I mean, that's the thing when it. I
1: was when I was riding it. On the launch, obviously, I mean, you know, uh, I put my hand up and say I own the previous generation, yeah, yeah, Super Six Evo, and it's very, very similar. Mm. It's just that little bit lighter, a little bit, just a little bit more Evo, a little mm. bit more evolved. But I did find, you know, riding it out, you know, a- around the roads and the hills around Girona, this bike is fabulous. But I still had the one criticism. I was like, why are you still putting twenty five C tires on it? Mm. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of, and it was a criticism I had when they launched not the last generation Synapse. Synapse 4. Mm. And I was riding that out in Italy. Mm. And again, our 25C tyres. I said, this is stupid. Why are you running 25C tyres? Mm. And it's kind of, you know, the the thing I got was always to appeal to a kind of mainland European, you mm. know, a, a accepted standard of things. But with that Synapse, when they brought it to the UK, they did UK spec and put 28s on it. And I think if they don't do that with it, the, they should do that with the Evo because a 25 mil tyre on our terrible roads yeah. <laughs> yeah. just feels shockingly out of date and for what is an absolutely cutting edge bike you know if you're lucky enough to live everywhere that's got super smooth beautiful blacktop and yeah 25s is still Mm. a a great choice but for everywhere else it's kind of yeah, it, I yeah, there's no arguments there. Yeah. there so. No. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like turning up for 100 meters sprint in, you know, bally slippers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, I, I'm by no means saying, I mean, I, I'll, I'll just. I mean, finish. it's not the
1: only thing. No, of course. But it. it's one of those things that yeah, it it's almost an obvious like a, one. Yeah, it's an obvious thing that I, you know, even I'm riding it on great roads mm. and in Spain thought, you know, if it just. Just that tweak, yeah, and then it'll be ramping everything up as great as the bike is.
0: Sure, sure. It, it's it's you know it's it's easier to live with now. I think as well. I think the design's been eased so you can swap in different parts and headsets. Threaded BBs, threaded BBs. That's going to be a win for many people as well. But you know, Warren, I know you made the comment when you first rode it. So it's brilliant. If i were in the market for a new bike, I'd be I'd be right there for it, with among others. But at the same time, it's. It hasn't moved it along enough that I'm thinking. Well, mine, mine. Yeah, I don't.
1: Need, I, I don't want to chop my evo in for no, it. Yeah.
0: No, exactly. No, and I think I think in you know in when I then looked at the melee and I saw what that offered, so it was slightly different, and I thought I'd, as much as not moving the game forward necessarily, but I thought it offered something that was different, something that was sort of. They're, they're, there's a there's a there's a luxury edge the envy brand but actually they they it's it's really functional and it's really fast in all conditions i could go over you know chip top tarmac and broken stuff, and i could ride through it and it just it, it would treat me well and i'd maintain my speed with just a little bit more ease than i could on the super six and for yeah, okay. There are many places in the world where people live on so really smooth tarmac and so on, and and that and that's great. And and perhaps the Super Six would be faster in that situation. But if you're looking for that kind of all-round sparkle where it just can't be outdone, I'm not, I wouldn't even be surprised if I could take it on some very like the MV Melee on some very light gravel and still really really enjoy it. Pump some, you know, put some slightly bigger tires on it. Job done. And I just it it, it just stood out to me in a way that I actually find very difficult to quantify. I hope it comes across in my in my reviews when you <laughs> when you go and read them on Bikeradar.com. But you know it's it was it, it there's no doubt it's an expensive bike. It's and you know I had two I was in two minds thinking mm, can I really award that you know in a cost of living crisis in the UK and you know prices rising everywhere, you know can I really award a bike that you know when it's all specced up the way I had it specced up and that's by no means you know. Dipping deepest into the parts bin, you know, at ten thousand four hundred pounds, it's a lot of money. Mm. It's a lot of money, but I came away from the test thinking, I think this is the bike that I covered the most. Sure,
1: I, I rode it because it mm. was delivered to me. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Well, there is that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but only briefly. I mean, I didn't put too much into it, but I rode it, and I, uh, yeah, I would agree. I just felt at home. You just felt yeah. this is really good. It's just good, solid. It holds no surprises, and you just felt comfortably fast all the time. Sure, you know. Um, whereas, as much as I love bikes like the TCR and the Evo, um, there will occasionally snap. There will bite back. Mm, you know, yeah. on on that rare occasion because they are so rapid to respond. Sure, you know. Um, whereas the MB was just that kind of, you know, it's like a it's like a very fast four wheel drive Audi compared to a compared to a, you know, Larry rear-wheel-drive Porsche. It's the golden retriever of bikes. <laughs> it's a bit more exciting than the golden retriever. <laughs> oh, don't say that. a old
0: 15-week-old puppy at home. <laughs>
3: <laughs> had to get the puppy in. I, I really did. I really did. I haven't
0: had an opportunity to this point, so I'm going to do it now. Anyway, our anyway. final category.
2: Yes, our final category, endurance road bikes was. Now, uh, you know, we touched on gravel bikes right at the start of this podcast and how they're you know, that's in a kind of you know, constant state of flux. Now, endurance road bikes is one category that is, you know, has arguably seen a lot of its territory encroached on by gravel. How did you choose bikes for this one? I
1: mean, it's it's one of those things that I would say, you know, I've I, I've been around endurance bikes since they were, you know, first conceived, as it were. But the idea, the endurance bike, is having something of a I would say an identity crisis, mm. basically being squeezed from both ends. You know, the kind of performance end of road bikes are getting more comfortable
2: even aero road bikes have big clearances yeah. these days right the tire clearances mm-hmm. yeah. are
1: there and gravel bikes are getting lighter and more aggressive so it's literally being squeezed from both sides so uh, is a endurance bike today a relaxed race bike or is it a tamed gravel bike you know and i i kind of wanted this category to reflect that and so i did i don't know kind of went out on a limb on, on a few choices here um first off i had the the Villa Gran Turismo, um, SLR, a new bike, which I think you rode on when it launched. I did, yes. And that's got like a elastomer or a 3D printed elastomer infused rear end, uh, you know, which we've seen similar from BMC on a URS gravel bike. Then I had uh, the Cervelo Caledonia. Then I had the Merida Scultura Endurance, which looks like a traditional bike. There's no drop stays on this. It's a standard, you know, two triangles. It looks fairly classic. And Merida, Great brand for bang for book. So I wanted those to be in there. Then there's the Vetus Venon Evo, which is a brand new bike. Um, I've kind of tracked the progress of this bike and its development. Um, and I had a early prototype of it about a year ago, which I've been around a bit. Um, I've been out to meet their engineering team. And this is a bike in the kind of mold of uh, Ridley's Griffin, which is an endurance bike, which you can also build up in a gravel spec they've it's a very similar thing even though the venon i think started its development before idly really. but that seems to be a direction that we're seeing from gravel and then the final one is the rondo rat cf2 now rondo actually state this bike as a endurance bike but 99.9 of people who see it will go that's a mad looking gravel bike
0: <laughs> it looks like robocop it?
1: and it looks like robocop yeah mm. i mean it, it's like a brutalist architect's um, fever dream sketch of what a bicycle should look like and honestly I loved it <laughs> I just loved the look of it so yeah that, that was my that was my five the three that made it through um, to the podium places were the Cervelo the Merida and the Vitas and how did you test these bikes? again because um, uh, this is a long standing kind of loop actually because I've done the endurance bike of the year testing I think for over a decade now um, and <laughs> And so, what I tend to do is I get the bike, I'll get it set up to me, and then I'll get straight out and just kind of do a high tempo, kind of two and a half hour ride, just hitting like lots of local bits that I, you know, I enjoy. A couple of really steep, short climbs, a couple of draggy climbs, that sort of thing, just to get used to the bike. But then, once I've done that, uh, then they all get ridden on the same, um, the same test route, which is a 132k, 82 mile loop around around Wiltshire into Somerset taking in the kind of big local climbs that I can get. There's a couple of descents which are on semi private roads, so you can really let go on them. And then it's just a case of re riding back to back and back to back and, and just going through how they're how they're built, what the value is, how they handle it is the most important. Um and again for me, it's all about the fun factor. The bikes have to be fun. Um, you know, and I think this 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 year's kind of endurance bike test, these five bikes I've done, I think it was an excessive 2000 kilometers just on those. So, um, a lot of very, very wet miles. As well. <laughs> yeah. March is the wettest for 40 years. So, you know, these bikes cope really well in uh, awful weather.
2: So, talk, talk us through your podium bikes then. Which ones finished third and second? I would say
1: in third place is the Cervelo Caledonia. Um, again, it's the, the Caledonia 5 is a bike I absolutely loved because when you take a brand like Savello, who are absolutely steeped in racing, you know, they've never been anything else. It's exactly what you'd expect them to make of an endurance bike. So it's still got pretty quick handling responses. It's still not, su- it's not super tall at the front, but it's not overly slammed. And the reach is generous without being overly long. So it- when you want to go fast, when you want to, you know, mix it up and, you know, have a bit of a sprint on it, if you don't feel like you're fighting against it, it's play it plays ball with you. But generous tire clearance is good comfort levels and you end up with a bike that's just smooth riding but speedy and and that's exactly what you want you know and then in second second place um it's the uh, merida which as an endurance bike it absolutely stays true to tarmac it's it's not about anything else um it's got the classic taller shorter ride position that defines an endurance bike um but it's got generous tire clearances. what i really did like about it as well is that it it was one of the cheapest bikes I had on test. The three thousand four hundred Rival Axis group set, really good set of um, DT alloy wheels, and shipped with Conti GP five thousands. Like a premium tire on not a premium bike is a rare thing. But the other thing was they put thirty two mil GP five thousands on it, fantastic. and they were. I thought ah, it's going kind of a bit much. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit bit big. They were a revelation, especially in the like awful weather, mm. like grip levels out of this world, comfort levels. Uh, you know, I was like completely sold on it to the point where I'm going, I wonder if, which of my bikes I can get 32 in there. <laughs> because I just, I, it's something I really want to experiment with.
2: I think Merida is really good for that. As you say, that value thing though, it's like, I've wondered if that was going to change in the kind of like, you know, the last year and a half or so of price rises. But Merida has been one of the brands who have really kept com- very competitive pricing like, across the board.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just been, you know, it, exceptionally good value for money couldn't put a foot wrong merida's contact points are really good fabulous you know merida own brands had it all, but it's like proper modern short shape super comfortable without being squishy you know the bars are great shape nice compact drop they just got every element of it right yeah, and they and don't it,
2: skimp on the kit either that, and yeah
1: you know and just a, a good all-round classic endurance road bike so your winner the winner, um, the Vetus Venon, it's, it's got a very long name, <laughs> uh, the Vetus Venon Evo RS Aero Force. Wow. <laughs> but I'm just going to call it the Venon Evo. Um, what Vetus have done here is they've achieved something really quite special. It's a bike that's, um, I would put up there with with the best endurance bikes that I've ever ridden. I'm talking Cannondale Synapse, Giant Defy, Special Roubaix, Trek Domani, but its core is versatility it, it's i mean it's mad that this is as good a pure endurance road bike as you'll find but it can take a 45 mil tire and not only that it's got proper mudguard mounts it's got a removable bridge so um it's got it's even got like two position bottle cage mount you know a bottle cage mount on the down tube so you could effectively put a 45c tire on it, load it all with bags and do a little bit of light bike packing with it. It could be an Audaxer beyond compare because it's a light bike. It's a really light frame. You know, the XL bike that I had, it's a sub 900 gram frame. Uh, you know, um, everything that they've put on, into this bike just shows this kind of new direction that Vitas are going in. They kind of started with the ZX1, you know, this big level of in-house development and, it's quite frankly, it's exceptional, you know, it's, um, the handle is really lively, which makes, brings this incredible fun factor. Um, it, I would say like, it combines the sensible with the sensational to, to such an effect that it it really did blow me away. Um, and all the while they've done this at a price very few can match. You know, the bike that I've got, four saxes, Prime Primavera 44 carbon wheels, which is a really good, new, decent, modern wheel, good Width inside, tubeless ready, 1500 gram, grams a pair, mm. you know, and then you've got slick carbon seat post, good saddle, an aero um, carbon bar. It's got the FSA um, ICR system on it, so everything's rooted fully internally. Beautiful tyres, Michelin Power Cup tyres, and it's doing all that for £4,699. And in context, they something like the Villiers, which, a fabulous buy, absolutely fabulous, very comparable spec. So, the Villiers gets carbon seat posts, it gets carbon wheels, not as good as the primes, um, it's four-axis, it gets a, um, a half-decent bar, although it's not a carbon bar, and the Villier is closer to £9,000 than it is to 8000 so it's nearly double the price. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the best thing about the beats is it doesn't feel like a value proposition. It feels every inch of premium bike and it's just it's it, you know, I, I'm genuinely shocked at how good it is. Um and overwhelmingly surprised. And also the fact that it is so versatile that the it, it's one of those things and I'm absolutely not the person to say, Hey, if you had, if you only need one bike to do your job, this is somebody that homes far too many bikes, I can't think of a better choice right now than the Venom.
2: So well we kind of you know, we're gonna obviously the next part of this podcast was gonna be talking about the overall winner. But we've just talked about it, haven't we, Was The overall winner was
1: It is. Yeah, the Vita Sven on Evo.
2: So how do how did we come to that decision?
1: Well that's the thing is we all came in and we all pitched our yeah, you course. know we all pitched our corners and then you you kind of take it all into consideration. You obviously taking price and performance and everything else, you know, into consideration. And then it's kind of like, I think you know, I've been on video shoots with a, a lot of the guys now. I've been on bike shoots with a lot of the guys now. And every conversation I've had with a wide variety of people and everybody that's been and ridden it and everything, they've all kind of gone, yeah, I think it's the one I want. Mm. You know, yeah, it's just, it, it's hard to explain how well it does most things. It's a properly do it or do anything kind of bike. And, and you know, they should be applauded for that. Absolutely should be applauded for that.
0: And yeah, it's worth reinforcing as well. You know, your your four four and a half grand is is going on a bike that can do all of that, and it's not like you need a specific bike for one task and then another and then another. You could, you could take this bike, you know, racing on your local track, or you could take it, uh, you know, sort of. gravel, I And mean, that's a really crack, interesting gravel, thing gravel, with it, is like, know, Vodaxing, It's like although it's an
1: endurance bike, it's one of the more aggressive endurance bike mm-hmm. geometries that I've, I've ever seen. Yeah, and I have spoken at length to, to the head of the. Um, the team that, that put it together, Ben. And he's an uh, incredible numbers geek. And he assembles geometries of every single bike on the market that in those particular spaces. So he's got a database and he's literally benchmarking it. And he benchmarks all of those geometries against bikes tested throughout the world from different, you know, different corners. And so he hasn't just taken these kind of arbitrary numbers that everybody says that that's what endurance bike should be. They've actually been investigating and prototyping and doing so much work behind the scenes um I, and i think that's a perception of the that most people wouldn't have had about vitus you know mm. as i say i went over and visited their r&d department it's a 40 strong team that are doing the r&d on their bikes
0: wow. you
1: know that's as big as some of the biggest guys in the industry some of the really biggest players yeah and um i think that shows incredible where I almost want to say courage from a what is yeah. a smaller brand to to commit so heavily to making good bikes sure not just assembling good bikes mm.
2: all right well as has already been mentioned if you would like to read all of the reviews you can find those in cycling plus or on bikeradar.com as always thank you for listening don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and please do leave a review wherever you get your podcasts as that helps us reach more people who are into bikes if you have any questions or comments about what we've discussed today you can email us at podcast at bikeradar.com otherwise thank you very much everyone thank you
0: pleasure thanks
2: and we'll see you next time thanks for listening to the bike radar podcast if you've not done so already please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode